Welcome to the C3 Eastern Suburbs podcast. We're glad to have you tune in today and hope this message blesses you. If you'd like to visit, we meet in Glen Innes, Auckland on Sundays at 10am. You can also find us on www.c3easternsuburbs.org.nz. Enjoy the message. The best job in the world, but it really keeps you running. So Steve was in Australia on business. He had to go over there for some training. And I had to drop the kids at school. And it was before Hudson was born. There was just me and Indy. She, at this stage, was this big, blue-eyed, blonde-haired cherub who didn't answer back and um, just loved her mummy. (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, you know, you get in automatic mode, the way you're going to go, right? Have you ever moved house and suddenly you end up back at the old house? So I get ready, I'm winning, we're dressed, bags are packed, and I arrive at school and then I hear this little giggle in the back seat and I realise I've taken Indy with me to school. I have not dropped her just next door to our house in Mount Wellington. I've crossed town during peak hour traffic and somehow I have to loop back and try and save the day. It's so not cool to be that forgetful. It's so not cool to forget your child's in the car. Never happened to me, uh, thank goodness. I, every parent I talked to has had some experience of neglect of their child. There's been one child who's been left behind, or you leave the asthma inhaler at home. I've done that a few times for my asthmatic child, or you know, forgetting really crucial things. It's not cool to be that forgetful. But we're going to look at a scripture this morning which contradicts that, where Paul's telling us it's cool to be forgetful. Can we bring up Philippians 3? We're going to be breaking open this chapter this morning. Paul coaches us in at least one aspect of being forgetful. Our theme over the coming weeks, as Doug said, is letting go to let it go. And we're going to be collectively as a community working on letting go of our stuff. And we've heard this message time and time again. But do you know why you keep getting it? Because we tend to pick stuff back up. Useless, aren't we? If you're anything like me, you used to tend to pick things up after a while. But in the scripture, Paul also talks about letting go of some good stuff. He talks about letting go of some good stuff, some stuff that can block us from truly knowing Christ. Let's have a look. Philippians 3, 3. It's true that I once relied on all that I had become. I had a reason to boast and impress people with my accomplishments more than others, for my pedigree was impeccable. I was born a true Hebrew of the heritage of Israel as the son of a Jewish man from the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised eight days after my birth. Yay. And was raised in the strict tradition of Orthodox Judaism, living a separate and devout life as a Pharisee. And concerning the righteousness of the Torah, no one surpassed me. I was without peer. Furthermore, as a fiery defender of the truth, I persecuted the Messianic believers with religious zeal. He had it going on. 
Paul was like the best of the best. And he goes to say, yet all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them. And I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. Paul was an excellent Jew. He was the best. He was highly educated. Who he was, his role, his education, his lineage held so much mana among his people. But he had to truly let it go to know Christ. So I want you to think for a moment. Why was his past and his status a block to truly knowing Jesus? How can your past, your status, the things that you really take pride in, your accomplishments, your titles, your mana, how might this block you from truly knowing him? I don't have the answer. But the questions are a really good place to start. I think one of the reasons might be a raw vulnerability. A thing of honesty. That thing of returning to Eden before it got really complicated and we knew we were naked. Giving God the primary building blocks of our lives to um, mould and change. Maybe it's got something to do with that. Now theology is made up of Scripture, history, and, and experience. And uh, so my theology around this is, um, is Scripture. And also, I've got personal experience in this area. So in 2008, I had a complete nervous breakdown, train wreck. So I, we'd planted churches in New York. We'd led a church in Tauranga. And uh, I was very much about striving performing, um, acceptance. I had buttons about rejection, um, and I related to God in this way. It was relating to God out of the call that I had at that time. It was relating to God about what I could do for him, and it was a really unhealthy relationship. God was probably like, what are you doing? I just want to love you. So God used this time of intense self-loathing because I could never be good enough in my own eyes as a perfectionist. God used this time to strip away everything that I built up as a wall to get inside, to get inside my heart. And out of the ashes and the complete nuclear fallout of this time came this beautiful season where I got to know Jesus in a way I never had. So I'd been born again, but it was almost like being born again. Because before it was taskmaster, but now it was just loving me for me without an agenda. 
I didn't have to prove myself to him. He wasn't someone whose love I felt I had to earn. And I had to let go of all of these ideas in order to truly know him. I had to let go of my title, all the labels I'd given myself, everything I built up. It was like ground zero to get deep inside with him. So another why of how Paul letting go um, of his past in order to know Christ fully is mysteriously hinted at in verses 9 to 11. He talks about there being a link or refers to there being a link between letting go of his own righteousness in order to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and experiencing the overflowing power of Christ's resurrection working within him. And as he lets go, he experiences this kind of oneness in Christ, this this union. So let's have a look. It says, In verse 12, he goes on to say, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. The words that really spoke to me in that scripture was, I forget all of my past. I forget all of my past. You know, our minds are like little movie theaters. So many things running through our heads all the time. And how often is it when we're really cruising along well and then our past, a little narrative, a little movie, so much emotion attached to it, starts ticking over in your mind. And it takes a real effort and a real discipline to forget that. Anyone? Just me. I've only got the movie. No, you're like, yes, yes. Thank you for your raw honesty. Good. So Paul says that the first step in pressing forward out of this is forgetting what is behind. And to press means there's a natural resistance It's not going with the flow downstream. It requires intentionality, a bit of grit, persistence. If you've ever worked out and there's resistance, you have to push through in order to repeat the rep. It means to be intentional. You know, we can't expect to get what we want living a life all willy-nilly. Don't you love that saying, willy-nilly? But pressing forward, we need to lean in and fight for goodness to fight for goodness, fight for our minds, fight for mental health, fight to have a clean spirit, fight for goodness. So to forget means literally neglecting, that you're going to neglect those memories. So why? Why does Paul talk about this? Paul's past and identity caused him, as as I explained before, to rise and have mana among his people, but it was also littered with actions for now 
as a follower of Jesus, he was now ashamed. Have you ever done something that seemed so right to you at the time and then you get a moment of revelation that it was wrong? <laughs> daily, daily. There was this um, story about a Desert Storm soldier who was overseas and he received a Dear John letter from his girlfriend back home. And uh, she was breaking up with him. And to add insult to injury, she wrote, Will you please return my favourite photograph of myself? I need it for my engagement picture in the local newspaper. The poor guy was devastated, but the soldiers, they came to his rescue. He got a shoebox and he collected up all the photos of all the girlfriends in the camp. He sent it back to her and said, Please find your picture and return the rest for the life of me. I can't remember which one you were. Oh, how good is that? Talk about the ultimate boom. I love that story. It seems so right. But then I thought, would a follower of Jesus have done that even when you're hurt? Oh, one of those situations that seems so right and it feels so good and it's so justified, but but sometimes they're not wrong. So we learn these tools like the soldier did to protect himself. Part of me's like, good order. Part of me's like, no, it's so conflicted. But we need to let it go. We need to let go of our tools because you've got tools, eh? We've all got tools to protect ourselves when we get hurt. We've all got tools that... Um, help us feel smug and protected and okay. In fact, I was teaching my daughter one of them this morning because her brother is incessantly annoying her at the moment. Because you know how they have those Fisher-Price toys when you're a baby and you press the button and like out comes a jack-in-the-box? Well, his new Fisher-Price toy is his sister. He just presses the button and boom, she explodes. And so I said to her, you've just got to act like you don't pretend because he's getting the reaction. This is a tool you can use. I don't know. Anyway, the second part of letting go is forgiveness. Forgiveness is a power that you have to help you lay down your right to hurt someone back for what they've done to you. The baggage that you carry around that maybe you've dropped off at destination feet of Christ, feet of foot of the cross, but maybe gone back to pick up for another leg of your journey. You know, it can be rejection, family hurt, love rejection, betrayal. Maybe the church is, you know, at some point or someone in the church has done the dirty on you, might have been dishonored by someone or wronged in some way. But there's this healing process. And I just had an insight into the healing process this morning. You know, like, it's, probably, it's pretty gross. But uh, at school all the time, kids are falling over and skinning their knees. And if you see some of these knees, especially when they fall and move along the gravel, it's like the whole skin. Do you remember that from when you were at school? Like around seven years old, six and seven, I think, is the worst time. You're so unco, but you're really wanting to run. Just constantly skin knees and what happens is it's all pulpy but then it starts to heal and the scab the protective scab grows over Mm, so tasty (laughs) but then in order for the healing to happen what happens next 
it drops off. And what's underneath? The rawest, raw, rawest, rawest. It doesn't sound like saying rawest. Rawest, most vulnerable patch of skin needs to come before healing takes place. Are you kidding where, where I'm coming from? Is this a revelation for anyone who sometimes likes to keep the scab? Because actually, <laughs> not keep the scab. Oh, you guys, don't go there. But keep the scab on because it's hard to be vulnerable, especially when you've been hurt. It's hard to be all pink and soft and raw and, and vulnerable again. But the Bible says that you must forgive. It's not an option. It's not a choice that we have as believers. If we're going to be obedient to Christ, we need to forgive. Matthew 6, 14, 15, challenging verse of the day says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You know, choosing to forgive isn't an emotion. It's a decision. When we're talking about forgiveness like this, you know, there are so many people and, and it sometimes it feels good to hold a grudge, to nurse a grudge, to nurture it, to make up those little mo- movies in your head of what you would say if your time came round again. Because maybe you didn't have the words or the power in that moment. And you can think, oh, if I got the chance to talk to them again, I'd say this, that, and the next thing. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just me? Yeah, thank you. So much honesty around here. I just feel the favor of the Lord on you. You know, maybe saying bad things about someone, but, you know, the past, it needs to stay in the past. What can happen is if we don't, everything we view is through that lens. If someone... Uh, if we've had rejection as, as such an obvious example, every relationship will be through that lens of fear. What if it happens again? Unless you leave it in the past. Same with hurts at work, with friendships, socially. And all these things can be a block between us knowing Christ more fully. So pressing forward means sometimes it's hard work. Sometimes it's hard work to forgive someone. It may mean you have to forgive again and again as things trigger you. It may mean going and getting professional help to move forwards past a hurt. There's no shame in that. People with good skills out there. I remember at Christmas time, there was a family member who I was so cool with for many, many years after some, you know, stuff went down and I'd made the decision to forgive. And then over Christmas time, I have no idea why. It all came up, and the movies were playing in my head, and the words were going. It was, it was honestly, it was just like I was barraged by these thoughts, and I kept praying, God, I need to get rid of this. I need to feel good. I need to. This is not a Jesus thing I'm having with this person right now, and so I just remember deciding I'm not going to have this. I'm going to battle this, and I went walking around the Pamir Basin. Talking like a mad woman, I forgive this person, I forgive this person, I'm making the decision, God, you need to help me. I know that as soon as I make the decision, my emotion is going to start kicking in, and, and eventually it did. It took a little while, but isn't it interesting how we can make those decisions, we can move past something and then they can come back? It doesn't mean because they're back that you accept having them back. You say no. So there are barriers. These things can be barriers between 
us in knowing Christ. And we are called to fight to bring down anything in our hearts and minds that might stop us from connecting with God. And these are all things that can stop us connecting with God. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every argument, every pretension, it's a hard exercise, people, but as you press in, take those thoughts obedient, take those thoughts captive, there comes this knowing, this richer knowing, and removes those barriers. So, you know, this season, I would like to call us to make a stand as a community, and I would like to invite you this morning to make a commitment to let it go this season. You might not feel like it, but it will be good for you. You don't have to have the emotions in the right order, but it's a decision to be obedient to God and invite him to work in that area of your life. So before we go feed the masses, I'd like to invite you to stand, and we're going to pray together.